Well, good morning again, St. John's. My name is Tom. I'm the pastor here, and we are just so glad that you've decided to worship with us this weekend for our fourth Sunday in our series, The Art of Neighboring. As we've shared before, each of these sermons are progressive, as are most of the series that we preach through. And if you missed any of them, you can go on our website and uh, check out the video services or, of course, subscribe to our podcast if you want to catch up on a bunch of messages from previous weeks. But for right now, if you have a Bible, um, I want to encourage you to open it up and join me in the Gospel of Luke chapter 7. Uh, Luke chapter 7, beginning at verse 36. We're going to read the first half of our reading um, at the very beginning here, and then we'll read the rest of it as we go through the message. Uh, But as we prepare to read God's Word, let's say a quick word of prayer. Uh, Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you and praise you for the privilege that we have on this beautiful weekend to come together or whenever it is that we're coming together. We know that you are drawing us to the presence of your Holy Spirit. Um, God, you are loving us as we love you. And our prayer is that as we open up your word that today we might learn another layer of ways to practically be faithful to the command that you've given us, not only to love you, but to do the other thing that is just like it, and that is love our neighbors as ourselves. Uh, We love because you first loved us, and so we thank you for that love, and we pray uh, that you would speak your truth into us now as we open up your word through your Holy Spirit. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 7, beginning at verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, "If this, uh, when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. The word of the Lord. Well, as I said before, this is our fourth and final Sunday in our series, The Art of Neighboring. And we chose this series intentionally as we are entering into a new season of life. And life is a church family where some of us are gathered outdoors in person and others of us are gathered online in worship. But we wanted to begin this new season regardless of where you are with some very practical reminders of how we're called to be the presence of Jesus right where we are to our neighbors. And so uh, the great commandment, as I alluded to before, uh, Jesus says is to love God and love your neighbor, to love your neighbor. And so the first week we decided just very practically we need to define who a neighbor is. And in the parable of the Good Samaritan, we learned that a neighbor is anybody around us who's in need. 
And so meeting the needs of our neighbors is our opportunity to do what God has called us to do. And so then the second week we learned that that you can't meet the needs of the people around you if you don't know who they are, if, if you don't know, um, you don't have the time to, to actually get to know them. And so my challenge to you and to myself was to take some time, and I hope you do this every week, not just that week, but actually walk your block and get to know your neighbors. Give yourself extra time so that when you run into somebody checking the mail or walking their dog, you actually have the opportunity to get to know them. Or maybe if you see someone in need around you, that you would allow yourself to be interrupted because we're all busy in order to help them. And so that was the second week. Then this last week, we talked about how not only do we need to get over the barrier of time, but we also need to get over our fears in meeting our neighbors. And so many of us, myself included, we, we have fears. We're just not comfortable always stepping out of our comfort zone. And so we learned that loving our neighbor the way Jesus calls us to do it doesn't necessarily mean going door to door with some religious materials. It simply begins with being a friend, with being a friend to others. And this week is when we're going to talk about how being a friend goes both ways. It isn't just what you give, it's also what you receive. And sometimes the most loving thing we can do for our neighbor isn't to meet their needs, but sometimes it's to allow them to meet ours. And that's what our scripture reading for this morning is about. Now, now we've all been in, in an awkward social situation. I'm sharing this because this is a very awkward social situation the Gospel of Luke is telling us about. Maybe, maybe for you, you, you think about that, that awkward block party or maybe even an extended family gathering where that one special person shows up. And, and you know who I'm talking about. It's, it's the person that makes you and a lot of other people uncomfortable. Maybe it's Uncle Jack who, who just doesn't know when he's crossing the line with his humor at the dinner table, or, or it's Mary who, who comes over and never takes the hint that it's time to go. She's the last one to leave. You're, you're literally vacuuming underneath her feet, and, and she just doesn't get it. She's just talking over the sound. And, and if you can't think of who that awkward person is, I, I just want to say, chances are, it might be you. <laughs> it might be you. Ask around. But in the story of the Gospel of Luke, we've got an awkward situation like this. Now, a little bit of context, as we always share. Uh, The religious leader, Simon, decides to have a dinner party at his house. And he invites a whole bunch of guests. And the guest of honor, and I'm going to give some quotations around that word, is Jesus. And the reason I'm doing this is because Simon isn't really inviting Jesus to his house um, out of the kindness of his heart. No, Simon is, is interested in Jesus for his entertainment value. At this point in the gospel, Jesus is becoming pretty popular. He's pretty well known for his miracles and his healings and his teachings of wisdom. And so Simon thinks to himself, if, if I have him over for dinner, I'll be the talk of the neighborhood. Maybe I'll even bless Jesus by allowing him to be in my presence. Now, in, in Jesus' day, there, there are tables that they would that they would sit and recline around were low to the ground, and, and people would recline for hours as they dined together. Dining was a social event, and it was one that would go on for a long time as people came and went. And so, so that's the scene. And in that scene, this 
woman of the city, as some other translations describe her, comes into the room. And she was known by everyone there for all the wrong reasons. And, and what I believe comes next is, is one of the most, if not the most, awkward scenario, awkward situation in the whole Bible. You read it, and knowing what you know, it just makes you want to cringe. Verse, verse 37, again, in the Gospel of Luke. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. And so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind Jesus at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. This woman who is known for all the wrong reasons. And, and those reasons were true. It wasn't just that she had this reputation that was, was mostly folklore, but it was, it was real. She had lived a sinful life, and she walks into the home of this proper Pharisee, this religious leader, Simon, and she's crying. Like, like I think most people would agree that when someone's in a social situation crying, that you don't know that in and of itself is awkward, but then it gets worse. She begins to wipe his feet with her hair. Now you can see I'm doing this. It's very awkward because I haven't had that kind of hair for a long time. But I just imagine, right? Like, like she takes her hair and she wipes his feet and they're wet with her tears and she kisses them and she pours perfume on them. And I've shared this before, but you got to be reminded that in Jesus' day, the, the main mode of transportation was walking. And it was walking on dirt roads where animals would pass. And so you know that after a long day of travel, Jesus would have dirt on his feet, dust, manure, all of these things. And what we're going to see in a little bit later here in the passage is that Jesus hasn't even had a chance to wash them yet. He hasn't even been given a chance by his host to wash his feet. And so when this woman comes in, his feet are disgusting. And so she walks in the door and she does this incredibly provocative thing. She cries on his feet. She washes his feet with her hair. She pours expensive perfume, wastes it on Jesus' feet. She kisses his feet, which sends all the wrong signals to Simon. And it says in verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Now, what do you, th do you think that, that Jesus knew who she was? I mean, you know more about Jesus than Simon did. Do you think that Jesus knew who she was? Of course he did. He's the son of God. And so if he knew who she was, then he also had to know how awkward this whole situation looked. And if he's allowing this to happen, there must be a purpose. And beyond the purpose for the woman, which I think is the primary reason for it, he's also going to use this as a situation that he can teach something to these religious leaders. And, and we'll see that in verse 40. Jesus answered him and said, Simon, I have something to tell you. And I love how it says Jesus answered him. It says before that Simon spoke to himself, but again, Jesus knows, right? And so he says, Simon, I have something to tell you. And Simon says, tell me, teacher, as if he's looking at this dinner party and going, wow, I didn't even bargain for this, but this is better than I expected. And so Jesus continues, verse 41. He says, two people owed money to a certain money lender. 
One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which one of them will love him more? Well, Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus answered. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, turned to the woman, but said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you didn't give me any water for my feet. Basic hospitality in Jesus' day would have been to give him water or send a servant washing his feet. But you didn't even give me water to do it myself. And then this woman comes in and wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss. This would be like a handshake when I walked in. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she performed, she has poured perfume on my feet. Now, why do you think this woman has done all of this? Well, because she has a lot of debt. She has a lot of debt, but she knew that if she could just come to Jesus, she'd be forgiven. And so Jesus says in verse 47, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been given little, loves little. Who here has been forgiven little? Simon, right? Simon is the one who has been forgiven little because he has acted this entire time as if he is better than Jesus. And and if you don't believe me, just look at the scene as it's led up to this. He, He didn't even pay him the decency to wash his feet. He didn't shake his hand. He acted as if he needed nothing from Jesus. And so Jesus says essentially, if you don't think you need anything from me, then you won't get anything from me. But then he turns to the woman, Luke uh, 7, 48, and he says to her directly, before he was just saying these things to Simon, but now he says to her, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now what's the point? The point is that Simon by thinking that he had everything together, offering Jesus dinner. No, Jesus, yo, you don't have to bring anything. Just bring yourself, right? Right? That he would receive a blessing. He believed that he would receive a blessing, and it's obvious that he thought it was all about him because if he thought that Jesus had something to offer him, he would have treated him better. But the blessing was going to come from the people who he invited to the dinner, the dinner party that he was inviting Jesus to be a part of. He really didn't think Jesus had much to offer him at all because if he did, he would have respected him when he walked in the door. He would have washed his feet himself. He would have kissed him. He would have given him oil for his head. But the woman, on the other hand, she's the complete opposite. She's vulnerable with Jesus by literally giving him everything she has as her way of asking Jesus for the one thing she needs because she's a sinner, and that's forgiveness. She asks for forgiveness, and look at what it says in verse 47. He calls her vulnerability love. Look at this. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. He says this to Simon, as her great 
love has shown. Jesus calls her vulnerability love. And friends, that's what loving our neighbor looks like too. It isn't just throwing the best block parties. It's, it's not just doing everything for everybody else and making your life look perfect as if to say to your neighbors that you're the best thing that happened to this block ever before, that their property values increased when your family moved into town. It isn't just doing that. It's not doing that at all. Sometimes loving your neighbor means allowing them to do something for you. Because just as this woman was loving Jesus by washing his feet, Jesus was loving her by allowing her to do it. I mean, he's the son of God, right? He's got all power and glory and authority in his fingertips for the whole universe, and yet he still has dirt and manure in between his toes. And he loved this woman by not saying to her, no, don't wash my feet. I'm God. I can wash my own feet. And yet how often do we say, no, I don't need help with that, and we're not God? No, Jesus didn't say that. He loved her by being vulnerable with her, by by being vulnerable before the people at the party who got the wrong idea and letting her meet this very real physical need that he had by washing his feet. The reason why is because love isn't polished, it's real. Love isn't polished, it's, it's real. Simon was polished, the woman was real. So it's a simple message for you and I to take home. When we go back into our neighborhoods, be the woman. Be the woman before God and be the woman before your neighbor. Let's pray for God to help us do that now. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this story and I thank you for it because to be completely honest, for me, it's convicting. I'm not proud to to give a, a passionate sermon about this passage and then to go on and be honest before you, God, but I will. I am more often Simon than I am the woman. I am more often the one who is too concerned about things being polished on the outside, offering for others and not receiving their love as much as I should. And I know that's true for so many of us. We are an independent culture, an independent nation. We want to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Lord Jesus, would you forgive us for that? Would you forgive us for the times that we forget who gave us our bootstraps? When we don't realize that that maybe the way in which you've called us to live and that you're going to love us and meet our needs is by allowing other people to help us too? Lord Jesus, would you help us to be vulnerable with our neighbors and our family and our friends? to show them that we are just like them, finite human beings, and that maybe just like this woman, their greatest blessing might be blessing us. Help us not to stop that from happening, but help us to find those opportunities, not just to bless others, but to be blessed, to become friends with our neighbors, that we might love them the way you love us. It is in your name we pray. Amen.